You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in to the show today. If you'd like to participate, feel free to do so. 608-501-0718 is the phone number to call. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Doesn't appear that we have any new callers today, so let's just get it kicked off with Mr. Aaron. Hey, Ryan. This is Aaron. Um, oh, sorry. So, the, I was thinking about it. And this whole negotiation thing between Ryan Gudick and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets is reminding me a lot of a certain scene from The Office. Not the one you're thinking about. Okay. You're probably thinking of when Michael Scott's paper company is bought out by Dunder Mifflin yeah. um, for way more than it's worth. Yep. But here's the one I'm thinking about. You remember when this one guy walks into the office and tries to sell them insurance and Michael initially says no, right? And then, for some reason, I can't remember exactly in the episode, they get it into their heads that this guy that was trying to sell them insurance that they turned down was in the mob. Yep. So Michael sets up another meeting, and they go out to lunch and everything. And, um, in this case, in this scenario, think of the Jets as Michael, Dwight, and Andy of, like, trying to bring out all the stops and visiting this insurance guy who they think is in the mafia, let's call him Brian Gutekunst in this situation. Okay. Um, Brian, all he wants is a straightforward, just like, hey, buy insurance from me. I'm, it, he's not the mafia, but they think he's the mafia, right? But he is, he's persistent. He, he sticks to his guns. He knows what it takes to get it done. But then you got Michael, Andy, and Dwight, who have like, we're just scared of this guy who they think is the mafia. So Andy comes dressed up as a mechanic, so he has a reason to have a uh, tire iron with him in case he needs to fight back or whatever. Um, so they have really no idea what is what they're doing, right? And you have Dwight there who's just like, don't buy the insurance no matter what you do. Just don't do it. Um, but then <laughs> Andy is like, good job on buying the insurance. But Michael is just has, is way over his head. 
he's trying to negotiate, trying to match the energy of this mafia guy when he says, if the side sale is on top, I will send it back. <laughs> um, but in the end, it's just kind of the insurance guy, Brian Kudikson, sticks to his guns and is persistent about it. And Michael, the Jets, ends up just being like, you know what, fine, I'll buy your insurance. Um, and I think that's going to be how it goes in the end, is that that uh, the Jets are going to think that Brian Gutekunst is in the mafia based on how persistent he is and um, how he orders his, I guess, food in the negotiations. And then, yeah, then the Jets are going to get insurance that really doesn't do much for them. Um, anyways, yeah. I hope I explained that all right. I probably didn't, but... We'll get to the second part. Uh, it's another three minutes, so let's stop there. Yeah, no, that... Um, it's funny because, yeah, it was um, Dwight that was telling him not to do it, and it was Andy that was you know, out of complete fear saying, do it, do it, and that would end up being, uh, obviously, their fearless owner who has told us all that he is filled with fear and trepidation, so that's all I can hope is that uh, the owner of the Jets is screaming in his GM's ear to uh, get this deal done so that whatever it is the Packers are offering kind of gets done. And here's here's the other thing that's worth considering. I, I don't know if maybe they haven't somewhat agreed on compensation, as weird as that sounds. It's just a matter of how to come to it. You know what I mean? Like, I've got, I want $238. And so the Packers are like, all right, well, give me that hundo and the 20s and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to give up a $100 bill, though. It's like, well, what the heck, dude? Like, like well, I'll tell you what. I got, like, I'll give you these 250s, which is like 100 And then we got to just kind of figure out the rest, you know? So they're trying to parse all that together. Maybe. I don't know. So, so in that case, the owner really wouldn't play much of a part because they've already basically agreed on compensation. But if not, I hope he's pushing them to uh, come to our side of things. Hi, it's me, Ernest, again. Hello. Now look, at, look at me. I got cut off again. <laughs> yeah, good for me. Anyways, um, so I'm going to address the horror genre as my own personal opinion and experience. Okay. So I am with you, Ryan. Um Silence of the Lambs, I would not really consider horror. I wouldn't watch, that wouldn't be like a Halloween or like a scary movie night kind of movie for me because there is a difference between, let's say, a psychological thriller and a horror. Yeah. Um, for me, there can be non-horror films that have horror elements, and that seems to be something that gets overlooked. It's... Um, like, for example, for Lord of the Rings, there's a few scenes where certain, where people can find scary. Right. But it is nowhere near a horror movie. Sure. Um, and in my opinion, a horror movie is kind of created to make you feel a kind of like a heightened sense of, like, on the border of fear. Yeah, I mean, that that's... I've been trying to think, every time somebody talks about this, like, uh, trying to think how to explain it in a way that makes, because obviously not everybody agrees, so I'm trying to get my point across. 
And again, maybe people feel this way about Jurassic Park, and and uh, I can't I can't imagine this being Jurassic Park. But a horror movie is one of those things where you hear something in the basement, and it's like, what the heck was that, dude? Like, what was that? Or somebody comes at the door, comes to the door, and it's like, don't answer that. Don't freaking answer that. Now, unless you think there's dinosaurs walking around in your house, that's probably not going to be, you know, that horrible of a thing. Um, but yeah, it just, it gives you that sort of like fear to your core, you know? Um, and I just, I don't think Silence of the Lambs, for example, would do that. It's it's more of like a, like you said, psychological thriller. It's got some like creepy aspects to it, but not so much that it would be like, you know, I can't watch it with the lights off. Like it, the, the, the lights on and off makes no difference in the watching of this movie for me. I don't know. And kind of, I guess, wondering, is this real the entire time? I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's yeah. just kind of how I see it. So Silence of the Lambs, it's like, yes, it's about a serial killer. It's about all this, about his story and everything. Um, I need to brush up on it. It's been a while since I've exactly seen that movie, so I might, I don't remember if there are scenes of him actually going out and killing people. Um, I know that there is uh, one serial killer of, uh, what is it, his Wild Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, wouldn't mean it's necessarily horror. That's just like, yeah, they're showing this thing happening. He didn't harm her at all, and I believe in the end she got out. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I could be completely wrong on that, so don't hold me to it. But it's just Silence of the Lambs, movies like that, I really don't consider horror. They are definitely psychological thrillers, which is a completely different genre. Um, uh, but when you're thinking of horror films, it is that's more of kind of the slasher movies. That's more of paranormal films. And yes, there are some that are actually based off kind of serial killers. But that is more in the act of actually kind of happening. Like, I don't consider Seven a horror film either. That's also a psychological thriller. Um, and, but you could consider, like, the, it, let's say you saw for an example. You saw you actually see him commit the thing. So it's like you actually see the acts being committed versus the follow-through of, like, the cops coming along and saying and seeing the evidence and kind of putting it all together. Yeah, he got cut off again. But yeah, and and saw I'd have to even think about. You know what I mean? Like, is that a horror? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I, I think if you would have just asked me before we had this conversation, I'd be like, yeah, of course. But now that I'm thinking about it, like, I, there is a lot of gore. There's a lot of violence as opposed to some of the other movies. I mean, Seven obviously has some pretty disturbing stuff in it. The only thing that's kind of like horror like would be sort of like the clown. You know, there's some creepy aspects like that to it. But you know what I think? I think, you know how music can kind of be when we try to talk about music and somebody like me would use a more broad description of things because I don't know. It's kind of like with colors. Like, what's that pink? And then you grab a completely different color, clearly, and you look at it, what's that? It's like, well, that's also pink. But then somebody else who actually knows a lot about colors and stuff, probably a female, is like, no, that's such and such and that's... uh lavenderific, subterfugific pixie dust pink. Like, okay. Same with music. It's like, this is hopcore, underground, pop, rock, flapjacks. Like, I, okay. I think if you really dug into, like, which one 
is what they have like really specific because again it's it's a spectrum so again i went back to ai and i was like all right so i i asked for the definition and it kind of gave the same thing we already talked about it what's the difference between horror and um psychological thrillers and even the descriptions sound kind of similar but it's horror films primarily aimed to evoke fear shock and terror blah 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 psychological thrillers tend to focus on the mental and emotional states of the characters delve into the darker aspects of human nature which makes sense i said okay Four movies for you. Saw, Silence of the Lambs, Seven, and Jurassic Park. And this is where you get sort of that, like, people who really know cinema, who know these subcategories, can kind of break it down, and then it starts to make more sense. Saw, the film is primarily a horror movie, specifically in the subgenre of torture porn or gore, which I feel dirty for watching it now. Silence of the Lambs is a psychological thriller. Seven is a crime thriller. Jurassic Park is a science fiction adventure film. And then even when you go to more, like, commonly known, everybody accepts them as horror, even they have subgenres. So I said, okay, what about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Exorcist? It says the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is uh, an example of a horror genre, specifically in the slasher subgenre. So there you get, like, it's a horror, but it's also a slasher, kind of like, I guess, and again, this is what I said, it's very similar to um, Saw. Nightmare on Elm Street, primarily a horror film falling under the supernatural slasher subgenre. And then The Exorcist is a horror movie specifically under the supernatural and demonic possession subgenre. So I guess that's its own category, which makes sense. There's a lot of that. I wonder what the... What was that movie I saw back in the day where the doll... It's probably a bunch of them, but the doll was possessed by uh, demons and stuff. I wonder if that's demon possession too, or is that like a doll possessed by a demon subgenre? <laughs> probably is its own subgenre because there have been like 90 of those different ones. So anyways, I guess that kind of helps a little bit when you add in the subgenres. And then where you draw that defined line probably is less important, you know? Or as Dusty had even said, it's kind of a personal thing. I don't know. It's interesting. Ryan, it's Brian from Connecticut. Hey. <clears throat> Working me here. I'm going off the top of my head. Uh, I've been listening to a bunch of the pods in the last couple of days, and, and I've been thinking about this, you know, drafting for need versus drafting the best player uh, available, um, specifically to the quarterback position. And I've been trying to go around the NFL and think about the various starters. And without, well, if you're not the number one overall pick, but you are therefore drafting for need, um, I, I think it's at best 50-50. It's not uh, a situation where quarterbacks who were taken not to be the immediate starter um, are, are flourishing. Um, the only exception that I could think of to that rule, who is not a number one, um, not drafted uh, as a backup, and uh still flourishing would be Josh Allen, you know. Mahomes was drafted as a, a as a backup. Um all right. Her I don't consider Tua as flourishing. I'm not a big Tua fan. So uh, I'll give you that class. Tua Herbert, um and then Josh Allen the week before, the year before. But um Tom Brady drafted in the sixth round, we all know that. Aaron Rodgers drafted as a backup. Russell Wilson drafted as a backup. I know he's not very good now, but uh, he was drafted as a backup. Um, Kirk Cousins drafted as a backup and then signed as a free agent. Um, I had others in my head. Um, 
but you know, obviously it's you know high, 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 high first round picks. Um, but a lot of the guys who they are praising were drafted as, as backups to City Year. Lamar, I believe, sat a year at least behind Flacco. Um and now I'm drawing a blank that I have the the phone going, but whether it's uh you know, Jerry Goff obviously he's not elite. Um, Justin Fields, not elite. Um, in the in the AFC, uh, AFC East, Matt Jones, not elite. Kyle Wilson, Zach Wilson, whatever his name is, not elite. Um, but I feel like a lot of the quarterbacks, if you, if you kind of go around, were drafted as as backup. Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted as a backup to Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, now again, drawing all blanks, but. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I mean, we'd have to parse out. Obviously, a lot of quarterbacks get drafted in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that are backups that never take a snap ever, and they're just complete garbage. So we'd have to kind of parse out, um, you know, the guys that are drafted with the expectation, at least some expectation, that they would play. And I don't know. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo was a second-round pick. I don't exactly know where that would fall. As far as expectations, and and Russell was was he third or fourth, and and Dak also. So those are guys where yeah they're thriving, but also I mean if we're going to include everybody that was drafted that late, we're going to include a lot of guys that never got any starts whatsoever. Um, but it would be interesting to kind of take a look at that because that is quite a list, and it would be interesting to see. I know, I think it's it's mostly from a cost perspective because the 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 question i guess that popped into up into my head when you were talking is is it it seems obvious but is it beneficial to let quarterbacks sit and learn before they end up taking over a team we've talked before about quarterbacks essentially getting ruined um their confidence getting completely destroyed and shaken and everything else wouldn't it be better to for example i mean again you look at jordan love and I know Jordan Love is, is maybe a guy that needed a little bit more work than a lot of other quarterbacks, but he didn't kind of turn that corner until year three. What if he had started immediately? Do you think he ever would have turned a corner, or would he have just been completely broken and been passed around as, as uh, you know, like a, I hate to keep picking on the guy, but a Brett Hundley or a Deshaun Kaiser just kind of going around? Although Kaiser was a backup, wasn't he? Or no, maybe he wasn't. He played for the Browns pretty early, I think. I don't know. But then my next thought would be, well, if that was the most beneficial thing, why wouldn't teams do it? But the reason is financial incentive. Everybody wants that quarterback on their rookie contract. And so they push these guys on the field, I think, before they're ready. So it would be interesting to kind of look at it and see. You'd have to create a pool, like a, a, a realistic pool, not just grabbing the all the successful ones and leaving the non-successful ones for the later rounds. You'd have to create a criteria and say, look at all of these guys and then say, you know, for example, all the first and second round picks or something, and then say, of those, the ones that started immediately, how are they doing? The ones that did not start immediately, let's say took at least one full year uh, of not playing, how are they doing in comparison and trying to figure that out from there? I don't know of a quick way that I could necessarily 
figure that out. I'm trying to think. But yeah, I I had the uh, the robot pull out a few names of guys that were drafted since 2010 that didn't start in their first years, and um, so not massively impressive names: Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, Brock Osweiler, Jimmy Garoppolo, Paxton Lynch, and Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, I don't I don't know. It would be worthwhile for somebody to kind of delve into that and see, um, especially you'd want to take into account, obviously, you know, comparing a second-round pick, Brock Osweiler, to the number one overall pick isn't exactly a one-to-one comparison, so you'd want to factor in when they were drafted and how successful they were from that draft position, you know, some some kind of an expected value, for example. Um, I don't know. Not sure if I'm going to undertake that, but it is an interesting thought. Well, hiya, George. <laughs> Who's here? Just calling. Got a couple of things. First, I want to ask Jersey Mike, what are the Packers getting us for our birthday? Interested to know. Uh, second. Oh, shoot. I should have wrote it down. Now I forgot. All right. What was it? I'm not sure, Goose. Anyway, oh yeah, Rogers not coming in and doing the extra stuff with our young players. While that is what I want from our team, I'm glad he isn't because I feel like at this point he's a poison. Now I don't want his attitude being infectious to the other players. It just no, get him out of there. I don't want him involved. I want young guys like Rashawn Gary. That's who I want being the leader of the locker room. I want that ethic to be what these guys are exposed to. So I'm glad that Rogers didn't do the extra stuff actually because I don't want them around him any more than he needs to be. He is a bad influence. Definitely. Great player, terrible leader, and apparently just trying to go full bomb villain. <laughs> and the third thing that I was calling on is uh, the Jurassic Park debate that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park is the perfect horror film in format that is not a horror film. Yes, it's got monsters, it's got gore, it's got all of that, but I believe somewhere Spielberg doesn't an interview, and he says that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to do the perfect horror film, but not have it be a horror film. So, my way in on it is, it is exactly what you expect from a horror film, but it's really an action thriller. Fair enough. I guess that's an answer. I'm not even entirely sure what that means. (laughs) But uh, if you were able to pull that off, that's pretty impressive. To be able to do the perfect horror film that isn't a horror. That's, uh, I feel like if it's not a horror, you didn't do a great job, but um, I'm probably just not understanding. So congrats. I mean, if anybody could do that, it would be Steven Spielberg. But uh, again, I can't wrap my head around what that even means. But uh, yeah, fair enough. And I'm not sure what the Packers are going to get you for your birthday. As for the uh, the Aaron Rodgers thing, yeah, I mean, it again... The thing that I think annoyed me, and I kind of talked about this on uh, the show from, I guess, earlier today, there's sort of this entitlement thing that I don't like. 
And um, I don't want that to be a culture thing. Like, you know, again, I don't know if you had this, but when I was a kid, like swearing was something you do when you get older and drinking is something you do when you get older and smoking is something you do when you get older. You know, it's just, it's, it's not just a thing that's wrong. It's you're too young to be doing that. Um, and, and I don't want to see bad behavior, entitlement, uh, lack of effort being a rite of passage. In other words, when you make that big paycheck, you don't have to care anymore. You don't have to try anymore. You don't have to show up to the meetings anymore. You get to pull your weight around here a little bit more. You don't have to do this or that, or you can start telling people what to do or showing up late to meetings and all that. It's not a rite of passage. I don't want people that feel entitled to not try their best. I think that's garbage. Again, it's like, well, you know, they're they're voluntary. They're, people keep screaming that it's voluntary, it's voluntary. I, who cares? Who cares if it's voluntary? That's not the point. It's a mentality. You're telling me you want to be the best in the world, but you can't do the bare minimum? Just walking into a meeting? Well, they don't even do anything. All the more reason. They're not asking you to do anything. There's very minimal effort. You got to go work out and build camaraderie. That's it. Right? You got to go do some bench press and some squats and go eat in the cafeteria with the rest of the guys and get to know some of the rookies, God forbid. Get to hang out with them. Get to talk to them. Get to talk a little ball. Get to see where they're from. Get to know a little bit about them. But you can't do that. Interesting. It's Again, it's, it's just it's this entitlement. It's all about entitlement. It's all about I shouldn't have to. I've earned the right, you know. Guys on the way out, even the way Rogers phrased it before with, you know, guys of their stature should be treated better. It's, so it's not about everybody on the way out should be treated better. You don't care about the guys that don't make the 53 who get nothing more than a handshake and sent out the door. You care about guys of a certain stature, right? Or, or even guys, you know, like Sammy Watkins put in a year, but he hasn't earned the right to be treated properly. But guys like Jordy, guys like Rogers and all that, We'll leave aside the part where they get inducted into the freaking Packers Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, they're, they're not treated properly by the organization. Wouldn't be surprised if someday Aaron Rodgers has a freaking statue somewhere. And again, like Leroy Butler said, $150 million guaranteed. You won't even pick up the phone to answer the, the, uh, a phone call from your employer while your teammates are taking pay cuts just to stay there? And you want to talk about how you haven't been treated properly? This is the kind of thing I don't want in the locker room. So... While it does sound strong, Goose, to say things like he's a poison, the reality is I can't disagree. I don't want that permeating in the locker room. And I don't want this to be like this high school thing where they're the cool kids, you know? And that's why I'm kind of glad a bunch of them are going, you know? And David Bakhtiari, he's still kind of one of those guys, and that's not to say he isn't a hard worker and a great football player and all that stuff, but I, 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 there's going to be a culture shift. And it's going to be a culture shock, and it's probably, you know, all his friends are gone, and, you know, the cool kids' table is sort of vacated. So guess what? You're going to either sit by yourself or going to go sit by some of the other guys. And the other guys aren't talking about all this money they spent and all this stuff that they've been doing. These guys haven't made a bunch of money. They're young guys who don't know that life. And all they want to talk about is football and getting better at stuff, and they're getting together to work on the playbook and... They're going out after practice to go practice. That's the culture now, and that's what I want the culture to be. Not everybody aspiring to sit at the cool kids' table where you don't have to work as hard anymore. And then the ones that actually put in the work, like Romeo Dobbs, get treated like garbage and get blamed for the offense not working the way that it should. 
gee, that's a great way to build uh, a, a team. Talk about leadership. Boy, oh boy. Leadership 101 right there. Throw everybody else under the bus. I think that's in the Navy SEALs handbook. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Hey, Ryan, it's Craig. I'm going to jump in on the pizza talk. Let's do this. Um, I think there's actually some really great places in Wisconsin for pizza, um, and I'll throw out a couple for you. One is called, uh, they're both actually in Two Rivers, Wisconsin, which okay. is uh, near Manitowoc, just south of Green Bay on the lake. Um, uh, one is called Port Sandy Bay, okay. and it was started, I think, in 1947. They feature uh, cracker crust pizza, um, and um, they have a size called the Snow Coaster. Um, I used to use those when I was a little kid to sled on. It's about 20 inches. Uh, the Italian sausage is awesome. Um, we typically get Italian sausage, canned mushrooms, and onion. Um, someone told me once that's actually considered like a Wisconsin pizza or toppings, but I know you're not big into veggies, but whatever you get, at least try the Italian sausage if you're ever there. Um, but it's delicious. I always take people to that. That's where my mom lives. So I always take people there when we were in town for a game and staying at my I will say, looking at the pictures, that does look like a Wisconsin pizza. <laughs> I'll give you that. The other one that's also good and it happens to be in Two Rivers is downtown Two Rivers. It's called the Waverly. Uh, they have a special Waverly sauce that's good. Again, it's, it's also a cracker thin crust. And um, again, their Italian sausage is amazing as well. So if you're in that neck of the woods, um, I would recommend trying them. Um, I'm kind of like you. There's not there's not many pizzas I don't like, um, yeah. but but those are a little little different. But you know, I'll I'll love a good deep dish. I worked in New York City for eight years. I love a New York slice, uh, Detroit style and St. Louis style. So, um, but but I think uh, again, these uh, for Wisconsin folks. I think those are two two great ones. So hope you can check it out sometime. Take care. Bye. Yeah, I mean it. It it kind of has a. a a bar pizza feel to it, but you're right. I'm, I'm seeing some of the sausage and that kind of brings me back to some of the stuff that I haven't had in a long time, but I know down in Illinois, when we'd get pizza, they'd have these big sausages on there and that's kind of what it looks like. So yeah, that, that looks delicious. Um, I got to find a place that has that just some really good sausage as opposed to these like little freezer sausages, things, which are just disgusting. But yeah, I don't know, uh, if I'll be getting up that way, uh, anytime soon. Again, um, there are some places I know in the Milwaukee area that I, I do like. It's not that everything out here is bad. Um, the I've mentioned Crossroads before, I think, has some good pizza. And then I think the other one is Leah's. Leah's has some really good pizza. And my favorite thing at Leah's is their garlic bread. They've got this garlic bread that is just ridiculous. It's this giant thing. And it's just a big, I don't even know how you describe it. It's, it's, it's like a brick. But man, I'd get one of those by myself. And it's like really crunchy on the outside, but it's so thick that the inside is really soft. And you just throw a bunch of salt on that bad boy, man. It's really good. Yeah, it's not all bad. It's just it's just a lot of it is kind of generic, you know. But I'm sure there's a lot of good pizza places out here. I was Craig again. Sorry, I forgot to mention something. Uh, the Port Sandy Bay Pizza is actually in the Pizza Hall of Fame. I don't know if you're aware that there's huh. a Pizza Hall of Fame, but you can no. Google that. They have it by region and little story behind all the different pizza joints. But uh, so um, again, they're getting recognized uh, nationally. I don't know who uh, sponsors that, but uh, that was kind of cool as well. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, I got to look into this now. The pizza. Oh, sorry again. Oops. Sorry, I forgot to mention something. Uh, the-
I meant to push pause and I pushed play again. Thanks for, I, you don't need to explain it again, Craig. I got it. Thanks. So let's see. We got Lou Malnati's. I do love some Lou Malnati's pizza. It's delicious. Man, they don't make it easy to navigate this, do they? They got a map, but it doesn't really do anything. There, I found a cheat. You can, they got special tags that you can use and they got Wisconsin on here. So Riverview Inn, Port Sandy Bay, Zafiro. Sounds familiar. And the Enchanted Inn. Yeah, anytime you look at uh, Wisconsin pizza, like all the top ones or whatever, they all just look like classic bar pie, which makes sense because they're basically all bars. <laughs> Anyways, why don't we take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, Ryan. I wanted to uh, give my opinion regarding where the Packers are being picked to finish in the NFC and the NFC North. Yeah. Um, I just kind of want to hit the rewind button and refresh real quick and uh, just remind people that last year we had key injuries. Stokes, Rashawn Gary, um, and Say Rogers, um, that definitely set us back. Then we had what was rated as the most difficult schedule. Um, I could say that, you know, some of the teams that we end up facing just came out of nowhere. They were not teams that were picked to be any good. 
Yep. Um, so I, I really do believe last season, uh, potentially, you know, that, that was a playoff team, even though we weren't playing well, um, in the middle. Uh, at the end, we kind of showed a little bit of life for the defense, which gives me hope. Um, so looking ahead to this season, I think that, uh, with the addition of playmakers in the draft, and, you know, the strength of schedule that we may be facing on top of, you know, some of these rookies from last year being in their second year and really creating some chemistry with their new quarterback, uh, I think potentially that the coaching staff really could have something on their hands as far as, uh, you know, a big upset type team that just goes in and upsets a lot of teams that people have picked to win. So, I just want to give people, you know, a little reminder that I think this team is better than what the record showed last year for several reasons, and I think for this year uh, the potential is there, especially in the NFC North at least. I think the potential is there. The Vikings are trending down. I don't really believe in the Bears. I do believe in Detroit, but how long can they sustain it? Like you said, it's kind of hard to say. So it's just my opinion. I'm out. Yeah, and that kind of mimics to a large degree what I was saying yesterday when I had a uh, somebody call in and you know ask, "Is it crazy to think that?" Uh, I don't remember the exact question. What was it that we could have a good team or that we could win the North or something? I don't remember, but I mean that that was the crux of it. How many things do we expect to be worse? And everybody immediately goes to quarterback. But again, I'm not going to go through the whole list again. There isn't really a single metric that was good about quarterback and we can talk about how great Aaron Rodgers is and all the things that he has in terms of his mental abilities and even if we want to say that it was the broken thumb that's fine that's not the point to to say that Rodgers is terrible we've seen Rodgers as a great player MVP Hall of Famer all that stuff I'm talking specifically about the quarterback performance last year can Jordan Love do remove the name forget Rodgers look at the metrics and say can Jordan Love be better than that if so, then there's no real reason to expect a regression. Now, could he be worse? Sure. He could be the worst quarterback in football. But I I, I just don't want to fall into this trap of saying, well, you know, the, the team was bad, and now your quarterback got worse, so expect yourself to be significantly worse. Well, that's not automatic, and then we're also not acknowledging some of the things that got better. And, and some of the areas, again, that we went backwards in terms of losing Lazard and whatnot, not a major shot to... Uh, to the team there. I'm not saying it's good, but I mean, if we do draft a wide receiver, it's hard to imagine with whatever growth and health we get from Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, I cannot imagine that last year with a half a season of Christian Watson as a rookie and a half a healthy season of Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard is going to be better than hopefully a full or close to full season with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and a talented rookie. And whatever we get from Samori Ture, and, and, and plus I would assume we're going to be getting a tight end, which maybe we do go backwards at tight end. I don't know. It's hard to imagine that we will. But yeah, I, I do think there's just a lot of assumptions being made just based on the name of Aaron Rodgers. Not based on how he actually played last year, just based on you had the all-time great, and now you have this guy that everybody assumed was a bust, and everybody said was a terrible pick, and so we're just going to conflate those two things. You know, the the fact that if somebody else had picked Jordan Love, it might have been a great pick. But because the Packers picked him, it was a bad pick. And because it's a bad pick, that means he's a bad player. And it's just this weird 
psychological thing in which those components don't actually follow logically together, but that's just how people feel about it. So, again, you go from a Hall of Famer to some guy that nobody likes, so clearly there's going to be a terrible football team. Um, And although it may be, that particular thought process is so wildly flawed, it's not really worth even entertaining. So, Ryan, I want to be your uh, 1980s Packers team historian for a minute. Okay. Uh, I actually got to see these guys play during that period of uh, Lynn Dickey. And uh, his go-to guy back at that time was a really, really good tight end named Paul Kaufman. And Kaufman uh, at that time period was just... He was just one of those guys where it was just... He was like the security blanket to Lynn Dickey, kind of like, you know, Kelsey is to Mahomes. He was that kind of playmaker. And the team at that time had James Lofton. So I really do think that if they can get a key piece at tight end that uh, can be that type of player over the middle that, you know, that love can find, I think we're looking at something pretty special because those guys in the 80s were legitimately a really good offensive team. Uh, year after year, it's just their defense just did not have the playmakers that uh, uh, could get them over the top. So um, just a little throwback uh, information for you. Oh, and uh, Paul Stenerud, he was a really legit great kicker, and he was so good that he had his own kickstand for uh, uh, kicking tee for footballs. So uh, I remember getting one when I was maybe nine back in uh, 79. So Green Bay has had some legitimately really great guys that people just uh, don't remember back in the 70s and 80s that kind of got lost in the shuffle because they just weren't uh, legit in in most people's minds. So that's my little throwback for you. Have a good one. All right. Well, thank you. It's good to know. I'm uh, glad I didn't really get to experience that too much. I have very, very, very vague memories of watching Bears Packers prior to Brett Favre. Very vague. I do remember it. One specific and somewhat vivid memory. And I don't even necessarily know who... <sighs> it sucks when those like memories that you had that were super vivid as you get older, you start to kind of forget some of the details of it. Like, oh man, what was that thing? My brother and I were fighting because he was a Bears fan and I was a Packer fan. He became a Packer fan, but early in our lives he was a Bears fan. I don't remember exactly. I don't know. I don't remember. Hey, Ryan. Uh, I thought I'd be the one to break the news since I figured uh, nobody else is going to get a chance to. Um, I just heard that uh, Love is uh, asking to be traded to L.A. Rams. Uh, I can't believe this. This is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. This team is falling apart, it seems. I mean, what the heck is going on? What the heck is going on? Well, what are we going to do now? Are we going to go get signed Bankert? We sure as hell can't bring back Rodgers. This is ridiculous. I mean, are we now going to draft a quarterback? April Fools. April Fools. Gotcha. Oh, you, you tricked me. Thought it was real. I I feel like the um, Tesla did that thing that was actually kind of funny. The April Fools—they were showing the crash test, and then the crash never actually came. 
eventually you figure it out and it's like, all right, all right, I get it, you jerk. But that was pretty good because it kind of did, kind of did fool me. I feel like people are just, uh, you know, what, we, what I should have done was ask the robot for some ideas because I, I just feel like the creativity of this is, everybody expects it, you know what I mean? We all know that it's not a thing. It was, who was it before? There was somebody, oh, it was uh, bodybuilding.com or something. They posted this study, which was obviously massively fake. It was like, if you, research has shown that if you bench press over 135 pounds, it actually hurts your strength gains or something, and you should do, like, low weight, high rep, you know, 32 rep minimum. And then they even put in there, like, April Fool's, like, well, you kind of ruined it when you put in parentheses April Fool's, first of all. But then again, I guess it doesn't matter, because nobody would believe this, so why did you post it to begin with? We need to start infusing a little bit of creativity in these things here, you know? I do appreciate the effort, Garrett. And that is the first official April Fool's call I've received, so I'll, I'll grant you that. It's almost like uh, the conversation with horror movies where after a while you've seen enough to where they don't scare you as much, and it's like, what's going to be that next thing? And that's when they like came out with, uh, what was that, Paranormal Activity or whatever? I remember thinking, like, dude, horror movies just don't scare me anymore. And then I saw Paranormal Activity, and I'm like, dude, that's kind of freaky. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's pretty good. It's got like a little bit of a Blair Witch vibe to it, because it's, it's like, wait, is this... Because I think they even tried to market it that way. And there was like that thought in my head, like, dude, I'm not going to get got like I did with Blair Witch. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. But at the same time, like, is, is this real for real or what's going on here? But I, I remember watching things like, dude, this is kind of, uh, this, is this is good. This is real good. I like this. I'm going to go back and watch it again, see if, I, I don't know if that's just my style of horror or what, but I, I definitely appreciated that. But that's the thing. We need like that next gen of April Fool jokes. My, my son accidentally pulled an April Fool's joke on my uh, my daughter without realizing it. My daughter wanted a snack, and he went and got her some popcorn and didn't realize that it was my habanero popcorn. And so my daughter started crying, and April Fool's, <laughs> gotcha, fooled ya. I don't know. We, we either need to come up with something better, or we should just stop it. And I'm leaning toward stop it forever. Or maybe we should have like a a, a moving April Fool's Day, you know? Like, on December 31st, it's sort of like Groundhog's Day where we have this big announcement, and we announce what day April Fool's Day will fall on. Just for the sake of mixing it up and more people will forget, you know? You try to keep it hush-hush. Can you imagine if it fell on, like, a holiday? Falls on uh, July 4th, and you get your family, and you go down to see a fireworks display at some park, and they launch, like, a bottle rocket and then leave. (laughs) And you're waiting. What the heck was that? Where's the rest? And then, and then nothing happens. Oh, fooled ya. Be pretty good. We should start combining holidays. You know, Eastmas. Hide your Christmas presents in the yard. Labor giving. Fire up the grill. Make a turkey. Smoke stuffing. Maybe it's a bad idea. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Thank a ween. Go door to door and eat people's pumpkin pie. Dude, dude. Thank a ween. I would dress up for that. I would dress up as a schoolgirl if I got to go in people's houses and eat their turkey and pumpkin pie. I will. I'll. I don't care. I'll dress up as whatever you want me to dress up as. Oh, pigtails, no shame. Trick or treat. Oh, hi there, sir. Would you like to come in and eat some dessert? Yes, please. More gravy, ma'am. Okay, thank you. I gotta go to go to Frank's house next door. Thank a ween, bro. Could just be all. I'll just everything's just laid out. You know, you got like the grandmas and everybody out there just putting out a spread. 
on like a folding table in the driveway and you just go walk up and be like, trick or treat, lady. Let me get some of that pie. Apple pie with a little bit of ice cream on it. Come on. Don't you skimp on me. It's a little cold, but I, I will suck it up. I think that's it, man. I think that's what we got to do. Thank a ween. Hey, Pack Daddy. Hey. couple things. This is caller number five. Uh, one, for a pod, I really, I really hope that you read the article that was published just, uh, I guess, seven hours ago, so yesterday, from um, Tyler Dunn featuring Leroy Butler <laughs> and those comments. On- Timing is impeccable. Yes, that was done today. On uh, <laughs> on Aaron Rodgers, I would love for you to uh, I would love for you to read it on the air if you haven't already read it. Just because, man, it is uh, it is scathing. That's literally the title of the episode. <laughs> I think I used the word scathing. I'll say that I am literally going to send it to you on Twitter right now. Yep. I'm going to Twitter. I'm going to send it to you. While I do that, uh, I did want to also say that uh, I, I, saw, I heard you talk about Hereditary and that you'd already seen it, so that's good. Uh, I think that movie's incredible. Another one that maybe you haven't seen since we're talking about horror movies that I thought was going to be stupid, which is the movie Smile. I don't know if you remember all those commercials oh, and yeah. the marketing they were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that movie looked dumb to me, so I was like, ah, I'll blow it off. Showed up on Amazon, I think, Amazon Prime. So I was like, ah, I'll check it out. It was actually pretty good. Um, it's actually a really, really fun time. Uh, the concept is kind of cool. There's a lot of, there's a decent amount of jump scares. So I was like, eh, that's whatever. Um, but it was fun. It was a fun time. I would recommend you check it out. It's way less dumb than I thought. So if you were like me and you thought it was dumb, then um, maybe give it a shot. It's actually pretty good. Uh, and that's all I got. So yeah, hopefully you read that article on the air because, man, scathing is the word I'll use. Yeah, that's the word I used also. I'm not going to lie. I actually, I, I remember the commercials, and I remember thinking I wanted to watch it, because I actually, I thought it looked kind of kind of dope, man. Um, I don't know why. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a stupid concept, but it kind of feels like it's up my alley in terms of stuff that I like, just in terms of, like, the distorted faces. Just, just horror, you know? Stuff that sends a chill down your spine. These demonic possessed smile faces and i don't i don't know anything about the movie aside from that so maybe it is stupid but i'm glad that you endorsed it and uh reminded me because i did want to watch it now the ultimate question am i going to be able to find this stupid thing anywhere or uh or not probably not oh there we go amazon found it wait is this this is it right yeah smile and i completely guessed what the uh password protection thing was freaking nailed it yeah. Yeah, we're getting it started right now. Yeah, you're going to watch it with me. Ready? This is going to be like a two-hour movie. We're going to watch the whole thing together. I'm just kidding. The intro's on point. I'll give you that. I'm already into it. I like it. That little clown music and stuff. I'm all about it. kind of can't wait for this podcast to be done so I can start watching it. <laughs> but we're not done. We got more. Hey, Ryan. Dan from Arizona. What up? Sometimes you guys got some funny stuff on there. Yeah, thanks. I think it was a new caller, Jim, that brought up the Aaron Rodgers, Jake Paul doing the ayahuasca together. Man, that cracked me up because all I could think of was like the movie Young Guns and Aaron Rodgers would be the Kiefer Sutherland character having extremely vivid nightmares about all his ex-girlfriends. 
and Jake Paul be the guy stumbling out of the teepee or something, yelling, you see the size of that chicken? And then he'd be throwing up and crapping his pants at the same time. It just totally cracked me up. Go back, go. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I'm going to look up that scene so I can enjoy that picture. I tell you what, I'm surprised. I Like I said, I hadn't seen that movie. I'm surprised nobody's made that connection before because I'm pretty sure that's just a group of guys doing ayahuasca together. I didn't see the beginning of it to understand the context of what they were. But I saw a guy drinking a cup before they all started going crazy. But that was pretty funny. Hey, dog. Hey, dog, you see the size of that chicken? He's talking to his horse. <laughs> She's my butterfly. Yep. Uh, so everybody that's doing the whole, uh, you know, making those videos and you put somebody's face over somebody else's face, that's where they, you got to find that. Just go on YouTube and uh, type in Young Guns Chicken Scene. It'll be right there waiting for you. Ripe for the plucking. <laughs> plucking chicken. All right. Brian, this is Andy in Kansas. Hi. Uh, to start with, uh, what if there were no hypothetical situations? <laughs> Just a question out there. Uh, secondly, isn't it strange that before a theatrical performance, people always tell the actors and actresses to break a leg as mm-hmm. a way of wishing them luck, but then after the performance, those actors and actresses all go to the cast party. That's from the interesting connection. Uh, Movies, now, uh, you gave a description of horror movies a few days ago, and I was thinking through the the different kind of qualifiers that you put, and uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, actually, I think it kind of fits all, I think there were five of them that you listed. Um, You know, it's the horror, the blood, the gore, some kind of supernatural type stuff. Like, all all that's in there. Um, but I don't consider it a horror movie, but it, it was pretty horrifying as a kid. I remember, you know, pulling the guy's heart out and all that kind of stuff. Although, if you uh, do the same chant that they did in that um, pagan temple while you're, like, scooping out a pumpkin, it, it does a number on the children. So keep that one in mind. Okay. Uh, are there some... Uh, Types of movies that you just, you like watching it once and you just like can't watch it a second time even yes. though it was extremely good. Um, just wondering about that. So two things about the horror thing because it popped into my head and it sounds ridiculous, but how much does music play into it? Because like if you think about the music for Silence of the Lambs, it's more cinematic you got the orchestra, you got all this stuff. It doesn't have like that. And then, again, if you... Let me just go back and, and play the music of this smile, for example. Right? That's That's evoking a certain emotion that clearly is horror. But that's not what you're going to find in Seven or Silence of the Lambs or certainly Jurassic Park. It sounds dumb, but I wonder how much music can kind of play a role in categorizing the movie. Or at least kind of telling you what category they're trying to put themselves in, you know? Compare that to the uh, Jurassic Park theme song. Right? So, there's that. Granted, that's not the music when they're being chased, but yeah, I mean, it's chase music or whatever. I don't even know if there is music. It doesn't matter. Point is, something to think about. 
as far as those movies that you watch only once, I, I, I know that that's a thing because it's one of those, and I don't know if you do this too, I feel like everybody does, you declare it as soon as the movie's done, right? You immediately categorize it. That was good. I wouldn't watch it again, but that was good, right? I mean, that's just, that's the first thing that happens when it's done. I wonder what, what that is, that characteristic of a movie. I don't know. But there are certainly those movies where it's like, that was good, but yeah, I, I just, I would never, ever, ever want to go through that whole thing again. But it was good. Oh, yeah, real good. I don't know. A couple of movies, uh, Arrival with Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, uh, very highly rated on Rotten Tomatoes. Another one that I know I've already mentioned is The Road with Viggo Mortensen. That one is very thrilling, very suspenseful. Uh, very much watch it with your son when your son gets quite a bit older. Mm-hmm. I haven't even watched it with our sons yet. Um, and they're late teens and stuff, so uh, that's a good one to, to keep in mind. Um, as far as the Packers go, I was curious if you would um, assign a certain type of grilled meat mm-hmm. to a choice of, like, let's say, five or six um, first-round possibilities for the Packers. In other words, you know, if the Packers draft this guy, I'm going to grill or I'm going to smoke oh. this type of meat, okay. and this side, that type I of like meat. That. Have like a list of five different meats and then five different players. Yeah. And then on the opening out of the draft, if they pick one of those guys, then the next day you smoke that kind of meat in celebration of whatever. And if you choose a guy or if a guy gets drafted who uh, isn't on the list, um, then your punishment would be like grilling, I don't know, tofu oh. and having to drink like oh. diet root beer with it or something. Um, I don't know. Maybe you could use the, the fans to decide which, which meat goes with it. That would actually be a fun thing for a group of people to do together. You get like three picks and you can, it could, I don't know, if you get it right, you get this. But if you get it wrong, you got to make this. And that could be, you know what we could do? If we, if we end up doing another live stream, we could do something like that. What happens on day one dictates what you're going to eat on day two of the draft. Whether you're sitting down with a steak or like a bowl of baby carrots. Oh, it's brutal, though. It's an, it's an idea. Anyways, I'll tell you what, folks. Why don't we go ahead and uh, stop it right here. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.